like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here this week. Uh, it's a new month here at Movie Club, which is uh, June 2021, which means a new theme. And this month is Unwanted. These are sequels that maybe nobody asked for or were, wasn't expecting or uh, was a surprise um, that we haven't seen. As the normal protocol for Movie Club, whatever movies we pick has to be something either we've never seen or we haven't seen since we were much, much younger. Um, and thus, it's like a new experience. And for this week, we are watching The Curse of the Cat People from 1944. And neither of us have ever seen this, although I am very, very familiar with Val Luton, the producer uh, of this film, among uh, its original. This is a sequel to the film uh, Cat People from just a few years earlier. I will get the official date on that momentarily. But um, I had seen Cat People uh, a, a couple of times now. Actually, I actually taught it uh, to my students this year back in October or November. It's hard to remember for sure. It was We, we started horror as a genre in October, and I think it took a little longer because of the whole online learning thing. But it's from uh, 1942, so just two years prior, Cat People came out, and then uh, we get The Curse of the Cat People in 1944. Corey, you've seen uh, Cat People, I assume, right? Yeah, I just watched it not too long ago, like a month or two ago. Cause, well, no, it must have been in March April. or April because they had that uh, Val Luton collection on Shudder. Yes, which I'm very sad that that was not a permanent fixture of Shudder. But... Or at least longer because I only think it was up for a month or two. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, unless it was out before I knew about it. But I feel like that's unlikely. Um, so yeah, I, I was, I had like two more to watch. So I'm kind of, that they had there, there's like two more that weren't on the collection. Um, so I've got a few movies left to Val Luton's to watch. This was one, uh, that I'd been meaning to get to for a while. I actually purchased it back in October, uh, after my daughter saw the cat people for the first time and she really liked it and found out there was a sequel. She wanted to watch it. I bought it. She's yet to watch it. Um, but now I've watched it at least. So I, I did get my money's worth. Um, but we will uh, get to a review of The Curse of the Cat People in a little bit. Before we do that, we'd like to catch up with how things have been going and see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how you doing? Uh, feeling better, thank goodness, because I was sick for more than a week, y'all. Um, still not 100%. And now we're experiencing record temperatures in Idaho, and this is how I die <laughs> from <Record>. each stroke. <laughs> record highs which is you know because i think some other states are like actually not hot if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong no yeah there are some people that like i just follow casually on instagram but you know like 60 degrees in their state right now and i'm like that must be nice um but it was 100 degrees yesterday and it was 95 today and that needs to go back to like late july august i ain't got time for that right now (laughs) How are yeah, you? It, it was actually uh, not bad. It was. It's been raining the last few days. Uh, yesterday oh, it rained for like rain. thirty minutes. Um, today it rained for most of the afternoon, I guess. Um, but not too hard. Like yesterday's rain was like real, like torrential downpour for like twenty minutes, and then it was done. 
Um, today it was more of like a steady drizzle uh, on and off in weird, like sporadic places, but it rained enough because um, it hadn't rained for probably about a month. It feels well, like I might be off, but it may, it happens a lot where we'll have like a dry month and then it'll just rain every day for weeks um, and summer starting. So why not? Uh, and that's, I, today was my last day of regular work. So I am on summer vacation um, for two months, basically uh, give or take a day. And, you know, I have some stuff I'll end up having to do over the, over the break. Um, but I'm trying to do as little as possible work related and, uh, dive more into, um, hobbies and movie watching, which isn't a hobby, but in fact, uh, next week, um, Matt and I will be covering Tribeca virtually. Um, they are doing another virtual festival this year. They have some physical components, but we're just doing it virtually. Um, so it'll be my fourth year in a row with Tribeca. Um, Looking forward to uh, Matt and I will be talking about some of those movies on our podcast, uh, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, and uh, you know, writing about whatever we watch in the in the between time. Um, so looking forward to to doing that. It's always fun to hit a festival, especially because I'm just on summer break, so I usually feel the least amount of stress at that time because like I I know I have some time to do things. Where like the week before like school starts back, I start panicking like I didn't do enough. Um, so it's nice to have the festival this early so I can really dive into it and not feel like I got to give my time to anything else. Um, and since the, the last time we recorded, I've been uh, to our local theater um, reopened finally after uh, just over a year of it being closed. Um, and that's our local Regal that I go to regularly. It's, it is not the nicest of theaters. Uh, it's definitely needs to be updated. The seats are old school. Um, even the, the seating format is, is much more traditional, like theater, like stadium seating where it's barely declining. It's not like, you know, most theaters now there's major steps down for each thing. So you're not ever like really blocked. Uh, this is the old school style seating. Um, As a person that's five, three, if I stand up real straight, I really appreciate the new seating. Thank you. Yes. And, and in general, I, I prefer that new style. Um, I would love for our theater to get updated, but it is my home theater and so it felt great to be back at it uh and i will talk about those next uh if you're ready to get into what we've been watching yeah so movie wise i've only seen three new movies this week i watched nothing old this week i was just busy with finals and uh, other stuff um but i saw a quiet place part two uh cruella and wrath of man um all at my my home theater uh, i went one movie a day for three days uh only only a quiet place two had more um, it was 10 people, I think it quiet place too, but it was in the biggest theater that we have. So we were spaced out pretty well. Um, really enjoyed that. Uh, Cruella. I also enjoyed a lot. My wife came with me. She hadn't been to a movie for probably two years. Um, I, I might not be right, but it feels like it's been definitely longer since she was at a movie. She might've saw last Christmas with me in 2019. Like that was probably like November time. Um, she definitely saw that with me in the theater. I just can't remember when that came out. But I don't think she's been to the theater since that. And then uh, she, we both really like Cruella. We only had two other people in the theater with us for that one. And then I went to see Wrath of Man, the Guy Ritchie movie, on a Labor Day. Or not Labor Day, I'm sorry. That would be a couple months from now. Memorial Day. And I went to like a all, – all three shows I went to like an early show um, hoping to avoid crowds. And I did uh, for the most part. But Wrath of Man has been out for a few weeks, um, just not at our theater because our theater wasn't open. And so I assumed that I would be alone and I wasn't, 
I was actually surprised there was a, an older gentleman already in the theater when I got there. I was like, oh, okay, cool. All right. I sat away. And then uh, three like younger girls came in, which really shocked me because nothing about like, I don't even think. Yeah, there's like one female character in the entire movie and she barely gets to do anything in the film. Um, so it's a very like masculine action film uh, with no like young, like I guess Scott Eastwood might be considered a handsome guy, but I don't feel like he's like a draw for like teenage girls. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like they had like Harry Styles, who is like a draw for teenage girls in Wrath of Man. So I was very surprised of like the other movies playing that, that this is the movie they picked to come see. Um, but still only five people total in the theater. Uh, so never more than, than 10, uh, no less than four in my three uh, return to my local theater, which is great for me probably not great for the theater if that's their average numbers per movie um so you know but i'm glad to see that most of the people were wearing masks not all of them i did uh i am vaccinated but i also wore my mask uh for the entirety of the film even um when i wanted to drink i just slipped the straw underneath the mask found straws are a very handy uh device when you're wearing a mask because you can pretty much keep it on um but I, i liked all three of those movies uh quite a bit um, Wrath of Man, a little less, uh, probably more mediocre overall, but I enjoyed it more than I was expecting to. But uh, the big thing that happened to me um, uh, was I, I had seen The Haunting a, like a week before from 1963, um, and it got me really interested in The Haunting of Hill House. And now I've watched the entire uh, 10 episodes. Um, so that's where whenever I had time, I was watching that instead of uh, movies. Um and I don't regret it. I enjoyed that show very much. Uh, I actually teared up on the last episode. We won't talk about why, but I was, um, you know, it, it, I won't, I don't feel like I ever got really scared, but I enjoyed all of the ghost elements of the story. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, I don't feel like I was, I don't remember ever being like really scared while watching it, but I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the, uh, the, I actually really enjoyed the structure of the show, like how things would unfold and you would learn things and see things from different perspectives of the, the siblings and stuff. I thought that was really cool. And I, so I've watched it twice. Um, Mm. I love it so much. I love the score. I should probably buy that. They've issued it on vinyl, but I love all the characters. Yeah. Big time. Like as flawed as they are, they're just, I don't know. They're just so great. And I also, I really liked a lot of the, the performances too. Um, I really liked the actors. Uh, I'd seen them in some other things, but I really liked them in this a lot. And then um, I also felt that uh, the, I did, I, I don't want to act like I, I jumped a couple of times because there's some good like jump scares. That, it like, has really good atmosphere. Yes. Um, but I, I still was like, I think I was so into the story overall. Um and I think the last episode kind of concludes that you maybe shouldn't have been scared in the way that you would traditionally be scared at like a, a ghost story. Um, it's, I don't know. I really like it. If you, I, I, I didn't realize it was three years ago. It was a 2018 series. How? Um, I know it feels like everyone was just acting like it just happened, but uh, I, I, there is a sequel anthology series. Uh, the, what is it? The haunting of Blythe, Blythe Manor. Bly Manor, which is based on the Turning of the Screw book, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what it's called. Which, there was a movie that came out um, 
in 2019 called uh turning or the turn with um finn wolfhard and uh brooklyn pierce um or brooklyn, yeah i think it's brooklyn pierce who, from the florida project uh that i heard was really i started to watch it yeah oh it was terrible yeah i only got through like 20 minutes of it and that was um kathy hit her head at work and i had <gasps> to go get her uh and take her to make sure she didn't have a concussion so like i only saw a little bit of the movie um, and it wasn't, it, I'd heard bad things and I wasn't like really into it when that happened. So I was like, yeah, I guess I'll just not ever see this one. Um, so yeah, but, uh, that's what I've been watching. What about you, Corey? Oh my gosh. Okay. So like I said, I was sick and on my couch uh-huh. for like a week. Um, so I finally got to see, it was on Hulu, St. Maud. Um, Ooh. dang, um, big fans of A24. You and I. Um, I had yes. been waiting for that one for a while, and I didn't realize it had gone to any of the streaming services because I don't really pay attention. I was up to date on The Handmaid's Tale. Also, I don't really keep up with stuff and also just drop all the episodes so I can binge watch. That's my business. But <laughs> um, I feel like everything is so judgmental. Um, and I watched um, A Simple Plan. Which has the same director as The Crying Game, which mm. we watched not too long ago for Movie Club. And Danny yes. Elfman did the score. It has Billy Bob Thornton and Bill Paxton and Brid- Bridget Fonda. I love Bill Paxton and I just wanted to watch it. Um, I watched the original. That's on uh, Prime if anybody wants to watch it. I watched 13 Ghosts, the original from I think 1960. I think you're wrong about the director because it's Sam, it's Sam Raimi who directed it. What? Yeah, this, a simple plan, right? Do I have the? Yeah, with. Yeah, I'm looking a at simple it. Bill Paxton, Bridge of Fonda, Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, Sam Raimi is the director. So I'm fired. No, no, I mean it's fine. Where did I uh, get that from? I don't know. I mean, he's he's directed a lot of stuff. I like you know? Sam Raimi. I'm not like yeah, the I, biggest fan, I, but I I like the Evil Dead movies, and God, I, I think fired. the Spider-Man trilogy is overrated. But um, okay, never mind. You guys can ignore that. Uh, I watched Mayhem again. Uh, cause Mayhem. Mm. Uh, cause Shutter does this cool thing where they have like channels, and movies are like playing all the time. Yeah, I like that. I do too. The, the curated option, so you don't have to pick something yourself. Yes. Um, big fan of Samara Weaving. Uh, also watched From the Dark, um, on net on uh, Shutter. Also watched a uh, Night Tide, which has Baby Dennis Hopper in it, and it's on Shutter. Um, mm. I watched the whole series Mayor of East Town. Fantastic. I mean, duh. I watch the ruins if you haven't watched it in the 13 years that it's been out you don't really need to you guys can just keep on sleeping on that and i can't remember if that was on netflix or somewhere but and then i'm rewatching Shit's creek and mm. god i'm really mad at myself why because i feel like an idiot no it's you're not supposed to i i just happened to look because i was i i actually knew that poster and yeah. um I've never like I've never it's seen the movie, but I'm very familiar with that poster, and I was like, it's weird that I know that poster, and I wanted to confirm that it was the poster that I was thinking when you said the movie name, and then I was like, oh wait, that's Sam Raimi. I and so, 
you know, I wasn't trying to correct you. It just happened to like come. No, from. I mean, I don't want to give any of our listeners incorrect information anyway. I'm like, where did I get that? Because I feel like I read it on Prime somewhere. But I'm obviously making things up. Because did the director from Neil Jordan, what else has he done? I didn't know he's from Ireland. But, yeah. So, anyway. Um, I will look. Anyway. I'm, I'm on Letterboxd. And Neil Jordan. I think Is that's the what writer? I can spell it What's going on? He did Interview with a Vampire, which you're a fan of. Um, not a fan myself. Did he? Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. The Crying Game, Interview with a Vampire. Uh, Greta, which I did not like. Um, from 2018. It has Greta Gerwig uh, in it, right? No, no, I love Greta Gerwig. Oh, it has no, uh, Chloe the Grace Moretz. Yeah, it's the no, it's a horror film with um oh, Chloe Grace Moretz and uh oh, I'm gonna forget her name. Um, Elizabeth Hubert. Hubert. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, Isabel, Isabel, not Elizabeth, uh, Isabel Hubert. Um, and then I have not seen any of the other movies he's done. Those are the only three I've seen, but he's done um. The Brave One with Jodie Foster, where it's like her revenge movie. Um, the Company of Wolves, I don't know. Breakfast on Pluto, Mona Lisa, Michael Collins, uh, Byzant- Byzantium from 2012. We're No Angels, End of the Affair. That looks like a really sappy Liam Neeson movie. The Butcher Boy. I'm judging a movie by its cover. Uh, we do that all theme. the time. We buy them Indeed. because of the cover. Uh, Yes, uh, sometimes it works out, sometimes not so it much. Um, Ondine with uh, definitely Colin Farrell. I, that looks awful. <laughs> um, she a mermaid? Oh my god. Oh, yes, she's supposed to be a mermaid. It's an Irish fisherman discovers a woman in his fishing net, believing her to be a mermaid. Um, but that implies that she's not actually a mermaid, but the, the poster, she's definitely got a tail. Um, like, it looks like a tail. It could definitely not be a tail. Uh, what a tail. Um, never heard of that in particular. It has a 3.2, though, on Letterboxd. It's not a, not horribly rated. Not one I'm going to rush out to see. It is available on Voodoo Free or Prime, though. So if you're looking for it, Ondine, 2009 movie. Um, anywho, is that all you've been watching, Corey? Which is quite a lot. Not to, I don't mean to imply that it's not. Uh, Yeah. Apparently the same writer wrote a simple plan in the ruins guys i don't know what and that's from imdb i just saw that um so that's weird but yeah sorry for my misinformation (laughs) it's all right things go awry from time to time but that is what we've been watching so we're going to get right into our feature of the week which is again the curse of the cat people from 1944 uh, you do have to buy or rent this one. It is not available on Shutter anymore. It was at one point, um, but as Corey noted, they they moved the uh, Val Luton thing away recently, which is a shame because I really think more people need to see movies associated with Val Luton. That's the catch. He's not the director; he's the producer, but uh, very known to be hands on, um, helping very much with the screenplay. Usually, at least writes the story, and s- someone else will format it in the screenplay, and then. Uh, Known for bringing up a couple directors, this has both Robert Wise and Gunther von Frisch listed as the director on IMDb. I, I feel like I, I do know that story. There's an amazing podcast I'd like to take a minute to plug. is The Secret History of Hollywood. Um, he does series of uh, different things. He's The two I've listened to completely are the Warner Brothers um, series, which was fantastic. It also uh, features James Cagney. And he goes through uh, 
it's kind of like a radio show style podcast where he's doing different voices. Um, but he's, he's giving true stories, uh, very, very researched of these, um, icons of Hollywood and in giving the quote unquote secret history. The shadows series is all about Val Luton and is absolutely amazing. That was actually the first series I listened to. And I went back and listened to the Warner brothers, which came before it. Um, and everything about Val Luton is, is so compelling and interesting. Um, and it's sad because he is mostly unknown to your average movie goer. And so uh, talking about one of his films um, on this podcast is a big deal to me because I'm a big fan of the secret history of Hollywood. Um, and uh, I, if I recall correctly, I think Robert Wise was pulled off to, uh, to work on another film. So that's why he's only he's they're double credited. I could be wrong. Uh, it's been a while since I've listened to that series. But if you want more information, I highly recommend checking out that series. Uh, this film stars Simone uh, Simon, who is in all, all three of these first names are in Cat People two years earlier, Kent Smith and Jane Randolph. Um, but uh, stars, I guess, stars um, Ann Carter, uh, the, the the daughter of the two characters are definitely um, Kent, Kent Smith's character, Ollie, and uh, Jane Randolph's character, Alice, have a daughter um, named Amy. And uh, Ann Carter plays her, and I don't know if Ann Carter was in stuff before, but she's she's pretty good little child actress in 1944, uh, I gotta say. And uh, the premise, uh, I guess, kind of spoilers for Cat People. Um, the young, friendless daughter of Oliver and Alice Reed befriends her father's dead first <laughs> wife and an aging, reclusive actress. Uh, 100% spoilers for Cat People. Sorry if that warning was not sufficient. Um, but before we spoil the curse of the cat people, Corey and I like to just give a, you know, our general thoughts and then we'll give plenty of warning before we start, uh, just talking about the movie completely. So Corey, what'd you think of your first pick for this month? The curse of the cat people. Well, I mean, given the name of our month, you know, theme, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hope that everyone doesn't expect that we're going to hate them all. I didn't hate this one. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I am not as well versed in these movies as you are, but um yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, um I also really really like this movie. Uh It's creepy. That's the thing. Val Luton's horror is all about um atmosphere and not the the jump scares he was uh trying to make movies that counter the universal horror films of the the era the the dracula frankenstein mummy and then how they started to uh go downhill from those initial uh ones with the crossovers and the it got a little more zany and um, eventually becomes full parody with abbott and costello um val was trying to do something different he didn't want to just uh it's it's hard to say he doesn't go for jump scares because he definitely does. Like in Cat People, there's at least two major jump scares uh, that are like built on sound effects. Like there's the bus screeching um, that like really, really like is jarring out of nowhere. And then I think in the pool, there's like a cat growl kind of thing um, where it's clearly a jump scare. But it's so atmospheric that when the it's not just the sound, it's because you're so sucked into the world that the sound knocks you out of it. And that's, that creates the scare. Um, and uh, this movie is a horror film, but it's not the same type of horror film. 
Um, and that's one of the things I, I like about Val is that he is dealing with uh, with metaphor and um, symbolism. Um, I, I really there were moments, though, where I was like, Ollie's a jerk. Um, I, I don't care for the dad much in this film. And um, but I, I, I thought the uh, performance from the young actress was really, really good. Um I thought the story was kind of compelling and uh, there are, there don't, I don't want to get, it is a horror movie. So I'm, I'm not trying to say that it's not a horror film, but it's not the same fit. Like considering this is a sequel, it is not, it's not approaching it from the same angle. It, I think there are similar themes that you could address uh, that both films are kind of talking about um, like the idea of legacy and, uh, the the family heritage element, which it's that's interesting. Even um, like deal how your history or how your past impacts your your present. Uh, I think definitely both movies t- deal with that um t- in some way, and it's interesting uh kind of thought process. Which that's one of the things that you learn in the Secret History of Hollywood is Val was very much kind of plagued by his own past, um, and like fears of of that of his own past kind of thing. So it, it ties into his stories. Um, in fact, a lot of, in, if I'm remembering correctly, the cat people premise was from like a folk tale that his aunt used to tell him. So um, within its, in a, it's uh, within its invention, it was built a, upon that theme. So the fact that the themes embedded in the story is, is logical. Um, but yeah, I also liked it. Uh, I've yet to dislike a Val film. I think the leopard man was the one that grabbed me the least overall. Um, but I've, I still need to see Isle of the dead. Um, I think I walk with the zombies, my favorite one so far. Uh, I really like that one. Um, I, I, I also really like cat people to not, not to downplay that one at all, but um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm ready to get into spoilers if you are. Yeah. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. So, the dad's a total jerk in this, though, right? Like, he's like, you better be normal or I don't love you. And it's like, dude, that's not cool. Like, <laughs> So, I... <laughs> big surprise, I was a strange kid. But, like, I couldn't... I think about all the time how my mother must have felt because... Like, in this movie, it seems like she's talking to herself and stuff a lot, and she just has, like, this huge imagination, and she's very standoffish and introverted and doesn't have any friends. I used to talk... I used to have an imaginary friend when I was a kid, and my mom would hear me talking to them sometimes, and I just can't imagine how... My mother said it creeped her out so many times, you know what I mean? And I can only imagine. And just to, like... I don't know. See your kid out in the yard. I can understand concern, but I totally agree. He's all through the movie. He's just like fighting her personality. Well, he wasn't even, it didn't, he didn't seem mad that she was playing by herself. It was more like just in general, like he wanted her to go talk to like, go hang out with the kids and the poor girl, like, um. Oh, the the mailbox thing, like in the tree. She's supposed to have sent out birthday invitations, and yeah. uh, she sent them in the magic mailbox. If I remember correctly, that was actually something Val did as a kid. That he had that's what I read a 
quote unquote magic mail, uh, not a magic mailbox, but like a, this mailbox that his aunt had told him about. Um, so that's cool. Like tie in there. Uh, Sir Lancelot is the, the actual actor's name of uh, <laughs> Edward. Yeah. Um, he is the Calypso singer and I walk with a zombie. Um, oh. so he was a recurring, uh, performer for Val's movies, apparently. Sir Lancelot. Um, yeah, there's a really cool sequence in I Walk With The Zombie around Calypso music. Um, yeah, it's Sir Lancelot, though. I, I'm assuming that's the stage name, but still, like, very cool. Uh, I I think that it's so interesting, like, all this old Hollywood stuff, because I was thinking maybe he, you know, that is his stage name, too. And it just, like, lots of people use stage names, lots of pretty much arranged marriages. Um like didn't he have to work uh val Luton have to work often with like already having a title and then he had to build his movie around it yes um the rko studio uh had lost almost gone bankrupt because of citizen king and so they were very much against any kind of arty productions they went like anti-indie movie basically because they had taken such a risk and uh while now citizen king is considered uh, many people consider it the best movie ever made. Um, it was financially panned because of the, it, it was an attack on Hearst, uh, the Hearst empire. And he basically ran a smear campaign saying this is, this movie's trash. It sucks. Don't see it. So people didn't go see it. And they lost a lot of money because they basically let Orson Welles, who had never directed a film have a infinite amount of budget. And he went way over, um, so RKO wanted to uh, cheap movies. They wanted cheap, easy money grabs. And they were watching, um, you know, Universal was raking it in with Dracula and Frankenstein. People were flooding to the theater. So that's they're like, hey, this is how we'll make money. We'll make cheap horror films um, and we'll make a lot of money back and we'll be OK. And so they would give Val a title that they tested, you know, like that. This people are interested in, in cat people because um, people were interested in the wolf man. So why not cat people? And Val took the title and then wrote a, a script that he was proud of within the, you know, the confines of that. And, uh, by luck, um, it, it worked it, it, you know, I mean, not by luck, there's obviously a lot of talent, but had it not worked, you probably don't know a Val Luton at all. Like that would probably have been his career. He would have been out after one movie. Um, but instead it happens again, it happens again. Yeah. And, uh, when you hear, uh, the guy from the secret history of Hollywood do, the story i really wish i should probably know that guy's name at this point but um it, it's his brilliant retelling i i cried multiple times throughout that series uh, of the podcast because val's life is so it's so heartfelt at times like because he really dives into like he reads like personal diaries and letters and correspondence with different um actors and and his family while he's off filming stuff and it, you really like get to know the person through the research that the podcaster does. And um, like the stuff that ties into the films, uh, he, he really does a good job of like alluding to without necessarily telling you like, Hey, this thing's going to be in one of the movies too. And like I mentioned the mailbox, for example, um, it's just, it's really, really well done. And uh, so fascinating. Like you said, with, the the way these things came into to being and, i mean stuff like that still happens but in the 30s and 40s the studio system was much much more severe and the studio ultimately owned 
their actors um it was more like a baseball team where like a baseball team has a contract with this player and this player can only play for them but that team can trade him trade them to another team or uh bench them and things like that that was how actors and directors were treated like you worked for that studio you did what they said you made what they wanted you to to make and if you didn't do what they wanted you would either not get work and then not get paid um or they would you know literally they could ruin your career because they controlled it they could send you to a really bad studio under a contract that you didn't want they could work you to death um and it wasn't until the actors guild something james cagney was actively involved in uh the creation of which i also learned about because of the secret history of hollywood um that actors started getting treated better and then we get the directors guild and the writers guild uh most of the major um areas of film have a guild now to ensure that they are treated fairly where Unfortunately, still, the uh, digital effects area of filmmaking, something that is super important in today's film um, industry, still doesn't have a guild. And they are often mispaid, uh, mistreated, and are have many of the, the video production or the digital um, graphic studios go bankrupt. Even after, uh, there's a really great documentary about it called The Li- Life After Pi, uh, about the digital effects studio that made Life of Pi. Um oh. And they uh, they were nominated for an Oscar for the the digital effects, but they were already bankrupt and closed when they were accepting their their Oscar. I think they won. Um, so crazy story. It is available to watch, I believe, on YouTube. If you look up Life After Pie, totally worth watching. Uh, and you know, spreading the word about uh, we need better treatment. We need guilds uh, for the digital arts community because it, it is such a vital part of the film industry. And I didn't mean to go on a soapbox there, but I do find all of this stuff so interesting. I think it's interesting and I don't know a lot about it. Yeah, I I probably know. I mean, I don't know if too much is fair, but I I have definitely done, done some research on it. I don't know everything by any means, but that um, podcast is mentioned on his Wikipedia. I mean, I know that technically, I don't know what the process is for updating Wikipedia pages is now. Uh, I don't know if it goes through like a, you know, process to get approved or anything like that, but it's still cool that it's in that it's 11 hours <laughs> or 11 episodes or something. Yeah. Um, it's no, it's probably, it might be 11 episodes. It's definitely very long. Uh, he's, I think we're still getting more Cary Grant, um, of the podcast, oh. but he hasn't released an episode. He's only done one episode of Cary Grant and it's been a year since the episode dropped, but the episode that dropped was 12 hours. Um, Holy heck. So, yeah, it, it is very much an audiobook that you are getting. Um, in fact, I believe The Secret History of Hollywood has an Audible contract. So if you are with Audible, you can listen to them ad-free, I think, there. Um, but like, it's a free podcast if, on any other podcast catcher that you were inclined to do. Um, uh, the official website is attaboy, like A-T-T-A, boyclarence.com. Um, and I think... I don't know the, the guy's name, but I, I, my uh, good friend got me into that podcast a while back. Um, I do wish he would be a little quicker. I can't blame him because, again, they're like 12 hours long. Um, there's, a, there's a few episodes I didn't know about that I'm going to have to see if I can buy these. Um, is that there's there's I think uh, the free ones, I think you're limited on what's available. But I think the Shadows, Val Luton one is still around. Um, and man, I, there's like, there's ones I didn't know about. And now I'm like freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, I have to listen to all these. Uh, I might have to pay to, to listen to these. Um, 
yeah, there's like patron stuff. I might have to become a patron. I really want to. There's an Alfred Hitchcock one, and I didn't know that, and I have to listen to it. Um, but yeah, big fan <laughs> uh, of that podcast. And um, I, I really, I hope, dude, if you're hearing this, I hope you drop the Cary Grant episode too, because I really like the first one. I, I've learned so much in that first 12 hours of uh, about Cary Grant. And I'd be, I was already a fan of Cary Grant, mind you, but that made me a big, big fan of Cary Grant. Because it's just him, right? He doesn't like have anybody else on discussing with no, him, yeah. does he? he no, nope. he well, he does it like a, he does characters. So like he he will do voices for for Cary Grant because he's reenacting. Um, so he does the research, but then he writes like scenes of those moments and does like the voices and stuff himself. Um, and from what I can tell, I don't think he ever has anyone else doing voices. He's just really good at like storytelling and it's it's just it's so fascinating and it, that's an important thing it's not just him talking about history in like bullet form for hours he he crafts a like a biopic essentially but all audio um about the the person he's focusing on and uh and he does different scenes because like he'll um a lot of the val luton stuff he will start the episode with um like a cold open essentially of a description of a real story that inspires the film that Val's going to write um, kind of thing. And it, it's man, it's just, it's so good. It's really, really engaging, entertaining. A uh, lot of production value goes into it. It's why it takes so long. And I'm sure the pandemic slowed him down with what he could research and stuff, but um, yeah, really great series. I've been a big fan for a few years now and I, I hope we get another Curry Grant episode soon. So, but um but we should probably talk about the movie more so than uh, than the podcast that's about Val Luton and not the movie. But um, any anything else on that before we we kind of shift our focus back to the film? No. So um, uh, there's there's always when we watch movies uh, that are set in like pre cell phone period. And they let the young kids run off on their own. It always <laughs> freaks me out. Um, yeah. Especially because, like, she, the mom specifically says, don't go back to the... So she got a ring from a, a random old lady that we're told is a witch's house uh, by the other kids. And she, the, the old lady throws a ring to her. Don't really understand the motivation there. Um, she has a daughter, but hates the daughter I mean, uh, and is, like really cruel keeps telling her you're not my daughter um and so she i guess this old lady kind of adopts the young girl in that way like she she wants her to be like you're you'll be my new daughter um and the mom says you know you can't keep the ring you got to give the ring back so she says specifically don't go by yourself make sure you bring um edward uh edward and edward's like look little girl I'm busy cleaning for your dad. <laughs> you can run off and go by yourself. And the little girl's like, wait, you're saying I can go alone. And the dude's like, yes. And then later he's mad because he's like, I wouldn't have let her go there alone. It's like, well, why would you let a little girl go anywhere? Anyone's house alone. Like it's one thing. Okay. She's going to play in the yard, but like, Hey, that old lady who lives and now again, 1944, we we have learned a lot of things and maybe the world's gotten worse. I don't know. But, I, I think about that sometimes and I don't really know. I just don't think that everything is televised. Or like it yeah, it just didn't get talked about. Like if 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 people were molesting people at the rate they seem to do today, um back then it definitely wasn't getting you know discussed in an open forum, which there's 
evidence to support the idea that it, people were aware, but covering it up or in denial or whatever um, back then. Uh, but yeah, like you wouldn't today. I wouldn't want my kid just running into like a, a stranger's house, even if it was like, oh, well, it's just an old lady. It's like, yeah, that doesn't mean they're they're good people, though. Like, you don't know what they're doing to your young kid who may not understand what's ha- being done to them. Um, so yeah, that, that stuff always stresses me out, uh, which I guess adds to the horror element of the movie. Yeah. I wasn't even allowed to like go door to door when I was a kid, you know, like selling candy bars or anything. So I totally agree. I don't even like driving without my cell phone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) half the people I talk to live in Florida, but at least I could call AAA or something. Um, Yeah, I I knew that it was going to be Irina who appears. Yes. I mean, no big surprise. But what a difference, you know, between her in this movie and in the first movie. Um, Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? Like, um, she is, she appears to be an actual ghost. Right. Like, it's not like the girl's just seeing um, like a figment of her imagination because she's not she knows too much. Yeah, right. There's no reason for her to know Irina beforehand. Um, But Irina was a good person. Who. were in cat people, you're kind of left to decide for yourself whether or not she really turned into a cat. Right. Like. It's heavily implied that yes, she did, but it's still always kind of a, a mystery to, of sorts, right? Like that's part of what Val leaves you. You have to kind of decide, but Irina believed it a hundred percent. So she went a little crazy or, or she was a cat in which case she wasn't crazy and either way. Um, and that's what like the, the conflict between Ollie and Alice is here. Uh, and it is interesting because like when I first read the premise that arena shows up for like the, the daughter of like her rival and ex-husbands, you know what I mean? Like you got to assume that there's going to be some like manipulation, try to right like that. The ghost is going to sure. be the villain and she's not. No. And I actually really like that. She's not the villain. You know, she's actually really, really good to the kid. Agreed. Um, so that's that's a cool curveball, and the the actual threat of the movie um, is the dad. <laughs> well, the 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 daughter of the old lady, right? Yeah, because she I, like tries to strangle her. Yeah. So he, something. So in this movie, the older lady, the actress, thought that her daughter is not her daughter, and I felt like they kind of left that in the air too. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I feel like maybe she isn't her real daughter. Or maybe this lady is just senile. It it could be, but the, the woman seems too angry yeah. at the accusations to not be her real daughter. You know, like... Um, well, didn't she say that her daughter died? She, yeah, but I think that's why she's so mad, right? Like, because it's like, I'm not <laughs> dead, you old... Like, stop right saying here. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> There was just no explanation. I guess the mother was senile. 
or you know maybe angry uh maybe she wanted a young daughter or you know well i mean it's like i definitely felt like that wasn't clear um which i don't find to be a criticism but it was it is different right like it's not uh well just how it like leaves that up in the air in the first movie is just what it kind of reminded me of it wasn't as big of a thing but i don't know well and the poor little girl you know she's she's basically like a loner and she's a weirdo because she talks to herself or like she zones <laughs> but she out doesn't. she does she slaps that kid for killing the butterfly he deserved was it. To be sweet he was trying to be killed sweet, it though he did he total total stupid just like big hands like i got it crush but he wasn't killing it on purpose it wasn't yeah he was trying to like get her the butterfly she wanted yeah. a butterfly he wanted to be a, a cool guy and tried um, but just, you know, didn't understand that butterflies are delicate and you can't squeeze your fist around them. But, um, and that's all at the beginning of the film. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if the curse of the cat people totally makes sense as a title. Like, what is the curse of the cat people? And the implication of that is that maybe the little girl is a cat person which doesn't make any sense because she's not actually related to Irina, but the curse of the cat people is that like, you can't be with someone, right? Because then you like your sexual desire turns into a giant cat. That was the whole premise of the first movie. And that's not really relevant here. Um, So I don't fully understand the title, but yeah, you know, it's all good. Doing what we can with what we have. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And to be fair, where this really ties into our theme is if I remember correctly, um, the studio wants a sequel because cat people did really, really well. Val doesn't want to write a lot. Like the logical sequel is that Irina comes back. She really is. And is really a cat and killing people again. Like that, especially uh, given the nature of what I know about the RKO studio, that's totally what they were looking for with the sequel to this. They wanted, they want more of this. So Val does something completely different that has none of that right like there's no okay oh it probably wasn't uh he just worked around things um and there he had people who supported him at the studio but the person who was directly over him constantly seemed to be at odds with him like always trying to like one-up him and there was always a feud and stuff like that um well i was looking that they made him add scenes i'm not sure which ones and then to make you know to recover i guess some of that time for the scenes that they made him add he had to take out ones that were important to the plot so maybe that's where they curse the cat people interesting i uh i liked the tie-in to the headless horseman and sleepy hollow as well which i um when they first were talking about like wait did she say sleepy hollow because that's interesting yeah and then it's much more obvious later because the, the woman tells the story uh, in a very creepy. I love the POV shot of like the old lady like talking to the camera, basically. Um, and then uh, when she gets scared and like hides on the bridge and oh man, poor kid. I thought they were going to kill her in the snow for a minute. I kind of love that. You know, like thought of being in a town with a big legend like that um 
and that just being kind of part of your life and you know you don't like sleep uh you don't like hocus pocus but it's like such a big you know their legend is such a big part of their town and halloween and like even them learning about this legend of sleepy hollow in this movie um while they're at the park and then it comes up because she's an actress the older lady and then mm-hmm. she's talking about it. it's just like woven throughout the movie. I think it would be cool, yeah, to have something like that in my town. Hmm, I can see that. I'm sure there's some kind of like potato headless guy, right? Oh my god, goodbye. He, <laughs> he throws he throws potatoes instead of pumpkins. Um, <laughs> Tater tots. Uh, there is Bryce the Hops. many the many eyed <laughs> horsemen. Like, because you know potatoes have eyes um yeah i got it dad jokes uh yeah, i'm just scrolling through the wikipedia <laughs> indeed um i'm looking through the wikipedia seeing if there was anything else worth uh mentioning here um so i watched a lot of shirley temple movies when i was a kid and the actress in this ann carter who plays amy reed kind of reminded me of shirley temple just how like serious she is. I don't. Oh, this was Robert Wise's first directing credit, actually, which is important because Robert Wise uh, is a really big time director and would direct the 1963 The Haunting that I just watched that oh. sparked my interest in The Haunting of Hill House. Um, so uh, I didn't realize this was his first uh, directorial. Thing. So he wasn't directing and then they added him on. That's why there was two directors. I think didn't um, they take away the first director because he went over their like days that were allotted for shooting. It looks that way. Yes. I feel like they just gave like all the creatives <laughs> like such strict, you know? Yeah. I mean, they money was definitely much tighter um than it, it currently is but uh there was it's hard to get now but there was a val luton horror collection dvd box set that has um uh the man in the shadows documentary that martin scorsese uh does narration on oh um which i watched that documentary it is available on something um it's very it's very good it's basically though if you listen if you want if you already listen to the podcast the documentary is very redundant um by comparison but it's still, uh, it's Scorsese narrates a lot of it, and there's a, there's interviews with people and stuff. It's it's very compelling still. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, definitely recommend. Oh, I saw on the it's if you have the Cat People uh, Criterion, the documentaries on that. That's how I watched it. Um, oh, but uh, that's the Curse of the Cat People, the sequel to Cat People from 1942. Um, definitely, I could see it being a not wanted a documentary in many ways, uh, but for us, we did enjoy it. I I say if you are a fan of Cat People, I think The Curse of the Cat People is a not quite Golden Pony Boy uh, follow up sequel. What do you think, Corey? I will say the same, and I just want to say that all of these horror movies are like the perfect length, guys. Uh, yeah, the Val Luton films are generally somewhere between sixty to uh, eighty minutes. I think no more than that. Um, yeah, this one's 70, and uh, yeah, it's it's the right length. I, I think any longer in this film would, would lose uh, the, its grip on the audience. Um, it's it's in and out, uh, which I don't think will be the case for our next sequel. Oh, God. Um, I'm pretty sure this movie's 
quite long because John. Well, and you still have to watch the first one. Um, so no. What do you mean? No, you can't watch a sequel without seeing the watch first me. one. Um, <laughs> so I I didn't realize Gareth Edwards, uh, Gareth Evans, Evans. That's why I didn't realize that's not the same guy. Um, so we the raid. It's actually it was called the raid redemption, but now it's just showing the raid on uh letterbox. Um, it is oh an God. incredible action film. Um, it, it is definitely more about the action than it is the story. The first film is just 101 minutes, so under two hours. The second film, which is what we're going to be watching next week is uh, 150 minutes. So, you know, um, I'm starting to take this personally. Well, I, it was not, I, this sequel has long been on my radar uh, I watched the first one several years ago. I've been meaning to get to the second one. I have not done so. Um, and uh, again, the first one action-wise is pretty spectacular. And I've heard there's at least one or two really amazing scenes in this one. But uh, yeah, this is a sequel that... I mean, people probably wanted this because the first one has got a lot of great action. You're like, oh, great. I'd like to see more of that. But generally speaking... You don't. You don't really want to see more of that. You want to see that kind of action, but you don't have to have the same characters. Or you know, I don't know what the tie-in is between the two. But we're checking it out. We're going to watch Raid 2 next week. Uh, we'll be back to review that. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey, our star two hours on the end. And if you like what we're doing here at Movie Club Podcast, we ask that you take just a few minutes and... Uh, give us a review on whatever podcatcher you are using to listen to us. Um, it helps other listeners find us, and that's just very, very nice of you. Um, we'll be back next week again with the review of The Raid 2. And in the meantime, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director focus shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com